Welcome to Words, Wobbles and Wisdom, an honest and fun body positive podcast by me, Anne-Marie Miles. Are you struggling with your weight? Do you wish that you didn't think about food so often? Are there days when you'd wrestle a toasted sandwich off an alligator? Well then, this might just be the podcast for you. I share my story, a lifelong battle with weight, food and mental health struggles. I share it alongside some of my writing on the subject and some of the wisdom I've gleaned from my life as a Christian. So join me for this week's episode of Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. Hello there and welcome to Words, Wobbles and Wisdom. This is Anne-Marie Miles in liquid form, melting as we speak in the heat of the South Wales deserts. How are you getting on in this heat? I mean, I'm just, I mean, I could just do the next 20 minutes on what is that about? What is that heat about? But we shouldn't complain, should we? Because we're always complaining about the rain and the cold and the snow. But boy... We are not built on this side of the world for that heat, are we? It's one thing if you're in Italy or Cyprus and you're sitting at the pool and you can just kind of slink into the water and then, you know, go and get yourself an iced whatever. But when you have to work and sit at a desk, you know what I found? The computer is so warm and my phone. Oh, at one stage I was sitting with my phone in my hand and it was just getting warmer and warmer. I had to just turn it off. It was just getting hot, the phone was. I, just, I wasn't even using it. I just happened to be kind of holding it for a while. I mean, if you could see me, I'm kind of slouched near my microphone. Kind of, I could drop off it. Okay, anyway, sorry. I'll do my best. What do you want me to talk about in this weather? Ice cream? Oh, I love ice cream. I have to say I got some very nice dairy-free ice cream. I shouldn't have ice cream. I used to eat ice cream all the time in days of yore, but I, I treat myself to a vegan magnum every so often. Other ice creams are available. I got to actually Swedish glacé again. Other ice cream is available. Swedish glacé is very nice dairy-free ice cream, which I'm enjoying at the moment. But it's not something that I can um, eat all the time. Something I used to eat regularly. I don't. I don't always have it in the freezer. It's not good. Not good. But I do find like one thing I didn't want to do was cook the thought of putting the cooker on or putting the oven on in this heat. Oh my goodness. And the other half, he doesn't like salads, you know. So he like I would eat a salad every day, but himself would not be into the old salad, you know. In fact, when we were married first, he told me he didn't like tomatoes. No, I don't understand how you can't like tomatoes. So I said to him, "When's the last time you had one?" He said, "Oh, I don't think I've ever had one." And I said, "How do you know you don't like them? You can't know you don't like them if you've never had." He said, "No, I just know I don't like them." So I made him a tomato sandwich and I made him eat it probably in the first month of our marriage. Not a great way to start forcing a tomato sandwich down your husband's throat. But, you know, love is, as they say, even though he had not had them for many's the year or he couldn't remember the last time. Guess what? He was right. He didn't like tomato sandwiches. I never saw such faces. You think I'd made him eat lemons or something, the face he was making as he ate the tomato sandwich. But um, anyway, listen, 22 years next month and we're still married. So, you know, got to try these things. Like say, I would eat salad every day, but himself wants dinner. And maybe you're saying, oh, let him make his own dinner. Come on. I'm not going to make him make his own dinner. Make my, my myself a salad and make him make his own dinner. Anyway, the only thing he knows how to do is put a pizza in the oven. So I don't really want him eating pizza every day, especially if I can't have it. Um, so what did we have the other day? Do you know, so I actually can't remember. My brain is mush. Oh, gosh. Sorry, I'm literally sliding off the chair. I'd love to be somebody who could do the intermittent fasting. I would love to do that. I just can't do it. 
I just can't do it. Like, I'm happy not eating in the mornings, not interested in food in the mornings at all. I mean, okay, if I'm in a hotel and you put it in front of me and you wash up after it, that's fine. And it's already paid for. But in but generally, like, I wouldn't be eating the food in the mornings. I wouldn't be into it at all. Lunchtime, I enjoy my lunch. And I enjoy my dinner. But I always like to have something in the evening. And I know I shouldn't. It's really hard for me not to have that in the evening. I find the evening very long. And why not having a snack makes the evening longer? I don't know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It actually does not make any sense that not having a snack makes the evening feel longer. And what does it matter if the evening is longer anyway? It's a strange, it's a strange thing I have about food. It's really difficult when you think about it all the time. And I do think about food pretty much all the time. I suppose there could be worse things I could be thinking about all the time. Um, <laughs> worse and less calorific, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh dear. I suppose I shouldn't be consumed with anything regardless of what it is. But I am. What can you do? What can you do? Before I go on, last week, um, my sister was visiting. My sister Catherine. Shout out to Catherine. Yo, sis. And uh, she was visiting for a few days. And I was planning on doing um, an episode. But we'd actually filled the days with visits and coffee and shopping. And it was so lovely. And I'm sorry if you were devastated at the lack of podcast last week but I did have a lovely time and so I, I said I can't leave it another week I've got to do a podcast but you, but we may not get very far because I'm the warmness yeah so uh keeping myself cool lolling ice cream fans and open windows basically which is probably the same for everybody else okay what I'll do is I'll give a little update on the progress at the moment and then maybe we'll have story time story time with Andy Ammo I'll read you a couple of stories from my book. Yeah, an update on the progress. Not going very well at the moment. I'm not. And I'd love to be able to blame it on two days of really hot weather and a tub of ice cream. But you can't really do that, can you? <laughs> um, no, for the last few weeks I've been struggling. Struggling with food. Just wanting to eat all the time. And not all the time, but a lot of the time giving in to that desire to eat I feel like I'm kind of losing the plot losing my focus and I think the only um, what's the word I'm looking for the only consolation for that is that years and years and years ago that would have been it you know I would have been on the the road back to throwing open the floodgates of Haribo and um, but I'm not no I'm not even though it's hard even though I'm losing a lot of the battles, I'm still fighting them. I think that's the difference. So every day I get up and, and I say, oh, Lord, please help me today. And then I make a good decision and 12 bad ones or whatever. And then I go to bed and say, I'm so sorry. I was a bit rubbish today or I was a lot rubbish today. And then I get up the next morning and I start again. And it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to know that this is it. This is it for me. It's always going to be a battle. It's always going to be with me. You know, you've heard me say, if you've listened to other episodes of the podcast, you've heard me say this a million times. It's always going to be there. But I think the important thing is we need to, I well, I need to. I need to talk about it. I need to keep talking about it. And eventually, I, I you know, I get the sense eventually it will kick in. I'm, I'm going away in a a few weeks time I'm going somewhere hot in five weeks time 
tankinis at dawn, shorts and t-shirts. And I would love to think that even in a few weeks that I might lose a little bit. I'm just finding it so hard to stick. And it's not even stick to the plan. There is no plan. It's all about individual decisions. It's not about sticking to a plan or the plan. It's about making good decisions. And I'm just not making very good decisions at the moment. I'm not really sure why. I don't know why that is. I know I've been there before. And it's not the last time I'll be there, is it? It's something that I'll always wrestle with. But it is frustrating to be there. And I remember if you listened to my birthday podcast, I talked about the fact that I was 50 and the fact that it was the year of Jubilee. And one of the things about a year of Jubilee in the Old Testament of the Bible is that every 50th year they would not sow or reap on the land. They would basically give the land a Sabbath rest. The land would have a rest. You would only eat what grew naturally from the ground. And I was saying that I'm going to have a year of rest and see what grows, see what, you know, if anything grows. And I'm a little bit frustrated because I don't feel that anything has grown except my waistline a little. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't feel I've grown. Um, but I get a sense that, do you know what it is? I, th- I feel I should be in despair, but I'm not. I'm not actually in despair. I'm just in this part of the process. I'm in this season of not doing very well, not being very disciplined, struggling with it, uh, making bad decisions, but owning it, totally owning every decision I've made. If you heard the podcast about um, sh- food shame, no shame, no hitting myself over the head with it. You decide to have it or you don't. And it's just my decisions have been all over the place. So I'd really love to get those back under control. And the last few days of just lolling about and sitting about being so inactive because I just can't move. It's so hot. It's been a difficult one. But in it all, I just feel a sense of hope I feel a sense of you'll get there you'll get back on it you'll get your mojo back you'll get back into the zone if you are in the doldrums if you are struggling if you are in a bad place it doesn't always have to be about food does it not necessarily about food it's just where we are with the thing that trips us up with the thing that we struggle with for me it's food but you know for other people it's other things and if you're in a season where you're not doing well as I'm in a season where I'm not doing well I would just say just hold on Just hold on, hang in there, don't give up, don't throw in the towel, just ride out this season, that's what I'm trying to do, ride out this season, because I used to, I just say, I forget it, that's it, that's it, and I'm not doing that this time, ride out this season of of bad weather, pardon the pun, (laughs) and see if you can stick it out, because I'm going to try and stick it out, and try and get myself back into the zone, be encouraged. I really haven't got the mental energy for much more today because I am so exhausted but we'll have story time. Oh do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna read you the opening couple of pages of my novel. Okay hang on there a second. Okay so this is the prologue to Gorse Lodge um, and this happens New Year's Eve 1964. Oliver Marsden walked with his 10 year old daughter Molly towards the entrance gates of Amberton Hall. He moved like a man much older than his 65 years. They turned onto the long, familiar path that led to the main house, passing the old, disused entrance to Gorse Lodge. Molly knew not to ask about the lodge, but she couldn't help looking at the overgrown bushes and brambles as they passed. They stood out from the pristinely kept trees and flowers of the edgings of Amberton Hall. What have I told you? 
Her father pulled her hand. You must never have anything to do with that Amberton Lodge. They should have burned it to the ground. That den and all that went on in it brought nothing but anguish to the Mansfield family. You told me that lots of times before, but you never tell me any other bits of the story. Molly was whining and dragging her feet. Listen to me. Oliver stopped her and knelt in front of her. I can't tell it all because I don't know it all. But this I do know. The family's most precious treasure, their gold, was taken from them hidden in that terrible place and then destroyed. How they survived it, I will never know, but it almost broke the gentleman I worked for most of my life. It hurt him and so it hurt me. Molly's father had to stop and still his coughing to catch his breath. She knew what he would say when he recovered. It was what he always said. There's nothing more important than the good name of the big house, Molly. Never forget the Earl of Blakeworth and the Mansfield family owe us everything. Molly sighed and took his hand again. Daddy, why are we here again today? We've come here every day since the start of the holidays. Can't we walk other places? I have more I need to tell you, my darling girl. So much to tell you and not enough time. If we hurry, will you have time? Oliver smiled as he blinked back to tears. Maybe, Poppet. They continued to the big house, but at the same speed. Do you remember what I told you yesterday? Yes, Daddy. Molly opened her copybook. The Amberton estate used to be the the formable, formidable. And like the families of their time, the Mansfields were the main employers of the village of Amberton. The house is now owned by the National Trust. National Trust. National Trust, then, she sighed. The family that still live here only use about one-tenth of the house. Well done, my girl. You remember I told you that my grandfather's grandfather was the first head gamekeeper at Amberton Hall. Yes, but you didn't say what kind of games, like board games. Molly started to scribble. No, Oliver's laughter was stopped abruptly by another coughing fit. The gamekeeper looked after the land and the rivers. He helped the Mansfield family when they went shooting and hunting. He wrote such stories about grand dinners and hunts with salubrious lunches, summer garden parties and oh, the grand balls. He has written it all down and I want you to have it. I want you to know all there is to know about this grand place. As they neared the main house, they stopped. Never forget Molly. The reputation of the great house and the family are most important. Even though you have never seen inside it, you are part of this village and so you are part of that house. Remember, everything you'll ever do will reflect on the reputation of this house. Make your decisions wisely. Oliver's eyes misted over again and Molly led him back down the path. As they approached Gorse Lodge on their way back down, a man of similar age to Oliver was coming towards them. Both men stopped to greet each other. As they conversed, Molly was soon bored and let go of her father's hand. The lodge was too tempting not to gaze at it again. She took a step closer, then another, and was within arm's reach of the bramble-covered walls. As she reached out, her father's voice rang out. He was beside her in a second, grabbing her arm in a way he had never done before. He marched her down the path to the surprised face of his friend. Oliver coughed and spluttered as he admonished Molly for her disobedience. When they were out of the gates and on the main road again, he stopped. He let go of Molly and leaned on a wall, taking gasping breaths. 
Molly took his hand, wide-eyed with fear. Daddy, she whispered, I'm sorry. Oliver nodded at her, squeezing her hand. When he caught his breath again, he took out his handkerchief and wiped his watering eyes. Without another word, they continued home. As they entered the house, Molly could hear her mother talking. Her father took one look in the kitchen, shouting, I'll have a tray in the living room, thank you, and he was gone. Molly knew what this meant. Her father had seen Maggie in the kitchen. Maggie was 12 years younger than Molly's mother, but like Molly's dad, was in a body much older than her years. She was eating chicken stew quicker than her mouth was able to deal with it, and she coughed and spat. Little of this could be seen through the scraggy hair that fell from her head surrounding the bowl in her hands. Take your time, Maggie, said Molly's mother. There's lots of it in the pot and plenty of time for you to have it. Not with Ollie home, she grunted. He wants me out. Don't mind him and take your ease. Molly, go and wash your hands and I'll put up a bowl for you. Amelia Marsden, Molly's mother, was ten years her husband's junior. Molly was a shock to them both, born to Amelia at 43. Oliver would have liked a son, but was grateful for someone to whom he could pass on his love for the Amberton estate. He and Amelia met when they were in service there. Maggie slurped her bowl empty and wiped her face with her sleeve. More? Amelia asked. Nah, that was superb, aim. Just the ticket. So where did your old dad take you today, Mal? Asked Maggie, picking up an apple from the bowl on the table. To the big house again. Amelia, can't you do something about that old beggar? He spent his life waxing and waning over that place and now he's driving this girl to blazes with it all. Maggie, your language, please, in front of Molly. You know how he loves the house. He wants her to love it too. Daddy is helping me to write a story about it, said Molly, oblivious to the tension in the room. He's going to help me with all the big words. Big words? I have a few words about that house. Enough of that now, Maggie, Amelia snapped. You can come here any time to have your fill, but Oliver is not on the menu to be devoured by you. Leave him to teach Molly what he sees fit about that house. That place, Maggie spat into the empty bowl. I couldn't take their gift of a home. I don't know how anyone could after what went on. I'd have choked on it. And what good did your principles do you? Amelia slammed the cupboard door, sleeping under a bridge named after them. I hope it makes you feel like a winner. You're the one who chokes, Mag. You're the one with your chesty cough and frozen hands. Amelia set a tray for Oliver as she spoke. Molly ate, taking in every word. She knew what was coming, her favourite part of Maggie's regular rant. We were devoted to that family, said Maggie, thumping the table. Gave them our best years. Lady Isabella was a strong woman for her time. She didn't want us kept down. Everything changed. Everything was ruined. And I tell you now, if I had my time again, I would... Would what? Amelia grabbed the tray. You'd do the same again. We all would. That man. That wicked, spiteful. I rue the day that I ever... Maggie's cough stopped her speech. Amelia had heard enough and carried the tray into the living room. Molly was about to ask Maggie to tell her more about the man when she heard a scream and a crash. Molly and Maggie followed Amelia's cries to find her on her knees in front of Oliver, the stew and broken crockery all around her. No, my Ollie, no, wake up, Oliver. My love, wake up. No, no. Molly stood, lost for a minute. She felt a hand slip into hers and looked up at Maggie. Amelia held and kissed her husband's hands, continuing to say his name. Later, when he had been taken away, Oliver's wife and daughter cleaned up the mess. Maggie had left before the doctor arrived. She was afraid of his stethoscope. 
Amelia got rid of the broken crockery and Molly set to scrubbing the remains of the stew out of the carpet. As she worked, she sobbed, remembering how she had upset her father by approaching the lodge. She slept in her mother's bed that night and for many nights after that. The prologue to Gorse Lodge by me and Marie Miles. So I've given Frankie the week off as it's extremely warm and normal service will resume next week where I'm sure I'll have lost a half a stone and Frankie won't have anything to complain about. But in the meantime, if you want to check out more about the books, you can go to annemariemiles.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry it wasn't quite the usual, but honestly, I'm melting here. If you'd like to get in touch, I do have a new email address. It is smile at annemariemiles.co.uk. So you can email me smile at annemariemiles.co.uk. And the website is also annemariemiles.co.uk. If you want to check out older episodes of the podcast, check out the books, buy me a coffee, whatever it is you want to do. Thank you so much for listening. And next week we will be cooler, hopefully, and normal service will resume. Bye bye.